0: If God is perfect, then he's always right. If God is always right, then when something happens we don't like, are we right or are we wrong? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hemberg. I'm
1: Janice. And
0: this is Bible Discovery TV. We're in the book of Romans and today we study Romans chapter three, one to 20. It's gonna be a good study. We'll start that in about five minutes. Right now Ryan is gonna tell us what he's doing, right? All right, well today Paul
2: quotes the book of Psalms several times. So my segment documents some of the human contributors
0: of the Psalms. Very good, and Janice, what did you study?
1: Today my segment is called God's Amazing Grace.
0: Well, it is amazing grace and it's excellent. We're going to study that later. That's coming in about 20 minutes time. Calvin, how are you? I'm doing great. You're joining (laughs) us later. He'll be on later, 25 minutes. So get your Bible out. Turn your Bible guide to today's passage as we open up the word, look at Romans chapter three, because we're going to study and listen to what God is saying to us right now.
1: Romans 3, 1 through 20. What advantage, then, has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way. Chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true. But every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not, for then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, let us do evil that good may come? As we are slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, their condemnation is just. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open tomb. With their tongues they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says... It says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Romans chapter 3, verses 1 through 20.
0: We continue reading through the Bible. And it is amazing because we go to Romans chapter 3 and 4. Now, this book was written to the church at Rome. That's the head of the empire in the day. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God fair? Well, no, God is not fair. Now, if we make that claim, we are often looked at as people who hate the work of the Lord. But what does that mean? Think about it. If God were fair to you and me, according to his law and standards, what would we deserve? Would we be worthy to have the things we do or to gain the life of eternal longevity? If God was fair alone, we would all be toast. The Lord is not just fair. He's merciful and amazing in grace. While we were sinners, he loved us and gave us his only begotten son, who paid the cost of sin with his life. Then when Jesus defeated death by rising from the dead in the flesh, he offered us the gift of eternal life with him. If we accept him as Lord and Savior. Now, This is what we mean when we say God is not fair. Many people think that if they do the right things or don't do the wrong things or act the right way, well, they'll be good enough for God. It's not true. That's not true. The only way to be good enough for God is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Very interesting. This is all things. These are all things that Paul deals with in the Bible. And as we read this today from God is not fair, in Romans chapter three, we're dealing with God remains faithful. And then all the people are sinners. And then Christ took our punishment. Then in chapter four, the faith of Abraham. This is an amazing place to begin our journey. Now, I want to pray. And as we pray and ask God to help us for God is not fair. Remember, you can get your Bible guide if you don't have one. And let me just say as well, I want to thank you for all your donations during this time. They help us tremendously. And I understand that your donations mean you've made a decision. And your decision is that the Bible is important. And you've chosen to support the Bible. So thank you for supporting our program and keeping uh, your giving strong with us. And if you want to give, just, you know, I don't tell you how much, just pray about it. And that's the Lord what he would have you do. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you because the Holy Spirit is in you. And Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak to them, help them today. Thank you, Lord, and be with everybody in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we pray, let's open up and say, Father, help us. We understand you're not fair because we're here. I mean, if you were fair, you would have just wiped out the planet and started over. But Father, we need to hear what you're saying to us today because you've done some amazing and stunning things that we just don't understand. And your, your grace, is amazing that's why we call it amazing grace so help us to hear you today hear your word the name of jesus christ and we said together all of us said together amen and amen now look at the scripture romans chapter 3 beginning with verse 1 this is interesting paul says what advantage then has the jew or what is the profit of circumcision much in every way Chiefly because to them who were committed to the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. That's interesting. Now, notice that Paul tells the church at Rome that God is always right, even though we are often wrong. (laughs) Okay, so we got to keep that in mind. We assume that we're right all the time. That's not true. We must never judge God based on our own flawed, sinful human thinking. I remember somebody said to me once, well, I'd be a, a Christian rod if I saw one. And I said, well, that's good. You're never going to see one. Because you're set in your mind that you want a perfect person. Nobody's perfect. And let me tell you something. There's a change. You can see people changing and moving towards the better because the Holy Spirit. But if you're going to judge God, don't judge another person. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Check yourself. Pray to God yourself. Taste and see. God will bring you people who have been victorious in certain ways, and you will see that God is real, God is alive, and He's speaking to us through Jesus Christ. Next scripture, 3:5. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not. For then how will God judge the world? For if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory, why am I also still judged as a sinner? And why not say, well, let us do evil that good may come, as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just. Now, what's Paul getting at? Paul explains that we need to seek and set our lifestyles to be empowered by jesus christ through his holy spirit that's what we need to do we must run from temptation not yield to it now understand that that paul is explaining this to the church at rome and we're going to get into this over the next few days he's explaining to them and he's he's having this conversation with them and he's saying listen you've got to change your lifestyle you can't just get the rules memorize the rules and you're good no the, the, It's your lifestyle that has to change. Keep that in mind. Now, people today, they call Christians Christians, but a Christian, a real Christian, is somebody who has changed their lifestyle to try to seek the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a hard one, isn't it? To change our lifestyle when we like things the way we want when we want them. Well, that's all changing now, isn't it? Very important. Now, let's read on. Romans 3, 9 to 20. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have altogether become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. There." are throat is an open tomb with their tongue so that they have practiced deceit, their position, uh, their poison of asp is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, destruction and misery are in their ways and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes now. We know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin wow paul claims that we do not serve the law but the lord following jesus christ comes from the presence of the holy spirit beloved follow jesus christ we don't follow a law we follow a person who is alive a person who is living and well Hi, Rod Henry. We go through the Bible in one year. It's exciting. It's great. And you can join us by searching Bible Discovery TV on your phone. That's right. On your phone, your iPhone or your Android phone. And when you do so, you'll find the app. You can download the app and watch it anytime you want. Never miss a program right here on Bible Discovery TV. We'll see you there.
2: Welcome back to the program. Today's reading is Romans chapters three and four. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the program, in these chapters, Paul quotes the book of Psalms several times. And these portions, Paul quotes are all penned by King David, except for maybe one. And this isn't too surprising since David is the main writer of the Psalms. But there are other contributors as well, like Solomon, Moses, Asaph, Heman, and Ethan. And while Moses and Solomon are well-known biblical figures, We might be wondering who these other guys were. Well, that's precisely what my segment today is all about. Check it out. Although David is the principal writer of the psaltery, with 75 out of the 150 psalms attributed to him, other contributors include the sons of Korah, Asaph, Solomon, Heman, Ethan, and even Moses. While David, Solomon, and Moses are all well-known figures, a little bit more obscure are Asaph, Heman, Ethan, and the sons of Korah. Interestingly, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan were all Levites and the head musicians of David's massive worship team, each apparently leading a temple choir, with Heman placed in the center. These three men also led in sounding the cymbals and, along with their families, led worship at the dedication of Solomon's temple. Also, because prophesying in those days was very closely linked with the playing of music, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan were all considered seers, what later biblical writers called prophets. Heman was the human author of Psalm 88, and his position as the king's seer, as noted in 1 Chronicles 25.5, is certainly no surprise, since he was the grandson of the great and godly prophet Samuel. And Asaph, of whom 12 psalms are attributed, was Heman's associate and was appointed by David in 1 Chronicles 16 as chief musician at the sanctuary. Significantly, as 2 Chronicles 29:30 shows, Asaph composed songs of praise that the people used in worship long after his own time. In fact, his descendants continued as chief musicians into the post-exilic period, many centuries after Asaph. Not to be forgotten is Ethan, called Ethan the Ezraite, who is also probably the same as Jeduthin. He is the author of Psalm 89, and was considered among the wisest men ever known at that time, second only to Solomon. Also closely connected with Heman, Asaph, and Ethan are the sons of Korah, of whom 11 psalms are attributed. This close connection can be seen from Psalm 88, which is doubly attributed to both Heman and the sons of Korah. But just who were these sons of Korah? Actually, these Korahites were also from a Levitical family, with musical and other responsibilities at the tabernacle and temple. Their ancestor, Korah, rebelled against the authority of Moses and Aaron, and he and his family were put to death because of it, though the clan did not completely die out. Later, in the days of David and Solomon, they served as musicians and gatekeepers at the tabernacle and temple, and they were still ministering at the temple in the days of Jehoshaphat, more than a century after David. While it's not exactly clear what sort of duties were assigned to these gatekeepers, it is significant that the Psalms associated with the Sons of Korah speak of the requirements for entry into the Temple, and thus seem appropriate for gatekeepers. Although it certainly seems likely that there were other contributors to the Psalms, due to the fact that one-third of them remain anonymous, it is impossible to identify them. What we can be absolutely sure of, however, is their ultimate authorship none other than the Holy Spirit of God himself. So except for Moses, all of the named contributors of the Psalms all lived around the same time period. And as far as the rest of the unattributed Psalms go, we just don't know who wrote these. But we don't really need to know because ultimately, the author of the Psalms is God himself, the Holy Spirit.
0: And the Psalms are music, or it's music, words to music that... uh, Was written to express our soul. You know, the Bible is said to be one third music, and it's very interesting because there's nothing that expresses like music. So Mm. that's good. Mm -hmm. Read the Psalms, pray the Psalms, and remember that. So it's very good. Jen?
1: Well, speaking of music, you know, there's a popular hymn, of course, within the Christian community, but for people, non-believers even, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. You hear it often in movies, on television, and you wonder, are people listening? Do they get it? Do they get it? Do they hear those words about God's amazing grace? And today, we're reading Romans chapter 3, and I and I couldn't help but think about God's amazing grace because there's two key verses in here that I isolated. Romans 3, verse 10, there is none righteous, no not one that means all of us romans 4 23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of god that's everyone that's everyone and so when you stop and you think about the amazing grace that god has given us through his son jesus christ it is so humbling to recognize the fact that the creator of the world before before anything even was, had a plan of redemption for you and for me. That is amazing. Uh, There is no way that we can humanly express our thanks to God. We can't fully understand what he did for us and what he's preparing for us. And so I would challenge you today. You may know that old hymn. You may not. But I want you to consider who God is and what he has done for all of us. And he's made it so easy. It's a free gift that he gives to us. So think about that today.
0: Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found. was blind, but But now now I see. see. And the rest of it is amazing uh, as a grace. And it's really, really interesting. (laughs) So anyway, thank you, Janice. Very good. Uh, Calvin Smith is here from Answers in Genesis. He is the executive uh, director at the the organization in Canada. Welcome Calvin. It's great to be here. Uh, yesterday you talked about how that uh, the Bible, the authority of God's word is in Genesis. And when you came to know the Lord, mm. you read from the beginning of the book, which is Genesis. Yep. And you read in chapter one, and it talks about the six days of creation. Mm-hmm. So you didn't think that was hard to understand at that point?
3: No, I think it's, uh, it's so obvious actually that it's, it's, it's almost kind of embarrassing when Christians try to work around that and say, well, it doesn't have to actually mean that. Um, you know, the, the church fathers, the, the, the reformers, I mean, Christians have known what Genesis meant for the first 1800 years of Christendom, no problem. It was only when old earth and then evolutionary ideas started to become popular that you start to see Bible commentaries, for example, start to compromise the plain reading of Genesis, what it plainly says. And it's not just Genesis. How about Exodus 20.11? For in six days, the Lord created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, right? So it, it, it's, it's been well known, it's easy to understand. And what, what we find is that many Christians struggling from what they hear as an authority, science, uh, you know, from outside the scripture, well, how do I take these ideas and then make the Bible conform to it? Rather than just saying, well, no, here's what the Bible says. Now, when I go look at the facts that we, we all see in this world, how do I interpret those facts according to what the Word of God says pl- is plainly written rather than the other way around? So mm-hmm. you don't want the, the tail wagging the dog, so to speak. <laughs> so
0: the the important thing to remember is that there have been people who've studied this mm-hmm. and they, they think, well, that's, you know, mosquitoes evolved, uh, spiders evolved, they have poison, they mm-hmm. kill people and all of that. Yet the Bible says that the Garden of Eden was created in such a way that, you know, man was thought of and god put him in there and made woman and then all of that so how do we get mosquitoes and animals that eat each other and what in the world's going on i mean i thought natural selection was a good thing and yet all of this stuff is happening we're losing many species every year and i don't know how many we've lost over the past 100 years but How do you explain the mosquito?
3: Yeah, the mosquito, great white sharks, all those, <laughs> those bad things in the world. I mean, the Bible's very clear that the world was so good, as a matter of fact, at the end of Genesis, God said everything, he looked at everything he created and everything was very good. Genesis one twenty nine and thirty says that in the beginning it was so good everything was eating plants. Mm. That's very clear. The beasts of the field and humans were all eating plants.
0: So we were in a sense,
3: vegetarians. Exactly. And so, you know, when we say there was no death before Adam sinned, what we're referring to is, you know, animals. We're not referring to what the, the Hebrew actually says, nefesh chaya. It's the, the terminology, uh, creatures, right? And so plants aren't alive in the same way that, that animals and people are, right? You don't bite into a celery stick and have it freak out on you. <laughs> um, so they're they're not alive in that sense. So death comes into the world after Adam sins. Romans 5.12 says, through one man sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. And it wasn't just man that started to die at the time when when the fall happened. The entire creation is groaning because of the fall. We read about this. So bad things entered into the cosmos when Adam, the head of the, the human race, fell. We gotta remember that Satan sinned first, then Eve sinned, then Adam sinned. And it was when Adam sinned, because he had the authority over over the kingdom, that bad things now entered. And so, you know, Adam was punished for his transgression against a holy and righteous God. And what does that look like? Well, the environment actually became able to to, to have these bad things reflected in it. Right? So you've got creatures today that use equipment that originally they would have used for a good purpose. Now they're using them for a bad purpose. You know, it's interesting that mosquitoes, they it's only the, the female mosquitoes that bite you. I um, <laughs> hate, to, hate to say that. Not, not, a, not, not dissing, not dissing that. the ladies or anything like that. And they do so when they want... Um, when they, they're uh, producing eggs, right? So they need certain things, iron and stuff like that from your blood. And there are plants that they could get that to as, from as well, but you make an easy target. So in the beginning, would mosquitoes have been biting everybody if sin and, and, and death hadn't entered? No, they would have been just eating plants fine and stuff like that. But now we live in a sin-cursed world. So God's withdrawn some of his sustaining power. It's interesting when you see things like crocodiles, for example, which we think of as man-eaters, scientists have discovered that they eat plants all the time they eat legumes and all sorts of plants and stuff like that i use a video in one of my presentations where they're eating watermelons a whole mm. a whole croc farm and they're feeding them watermelons and fruit and and this one crocodile climbs up a tree and starts eating a kumquat <laughs> and people in the audience when i'm presenting at churches, like, what, what's going on right because we see them eating meat but we all see always see the beauty the remnant of the original good creation even great white shark footage of you know they put a tuna in the water and another fish and then they put a chunk of seaweed and in this one particular video the first two hits that the great white hits is on the seaweed and they're commonly known for, for doing that but we see those teeth today and we think wow man they evolved sharp teeth to eat meat well no a bear um It'll bite you if you get in, in front of its cub or, you know, something like that. But think of it, they love berries. Yeah, what do you what do you see bears do? They they put their teeth around the blueberry bush and they wiggle their mouth back and got a big, you know, mm-hmm. they, they pick berries a lot better than I do uh, with their teeth because they rake them off there. But we're so conditioned to think of things in an evolutionary, survival of the fittest type world. Just because something has sharp teeth doesn't mean it has to eat meat. It's just that we see them doing these things today and we see reflected in this sin-cursed world, the fact is we live in a fallen world.
0: So the fact Mm. is that we were, in, in in a sense at the beginning without sin we were vegetarians and, and everybody was essentially vegetarians and people didn't kill
3: that's right
0: animals and animals you know they didn't kill each other it
3: wasn't until genesis 9 that the lord actually says as i gave you the green plants for food i now give you the animals to eat and that makes a lot of sense because you know you think of the the conditions on the planet after the flood you've got extreme heat extreme cold if you're an inuit and you have to eat plants yeah. You're going to die. Yeah. On <laughs>
0: yeah. that, on, yeah. Listen, on that note, I want to talk about that on the next program sure. because Genesis 9 is really important. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk further about that. But in the meantime, remember, this is Answers in Genesis, the executive director, and you need to join us next time. Thank you for praying with us isn't that great seeing those prayer requests i love that uh, prayer is such a big part of, of serving god and as we pray today let's think this through because this becomes important father today we pray that you would help me to follow you and help me to follow your ways not my ways help me lord through the power of your holy spirit amen